and welcome to another episode of A Little Spooky. This is the show where we talk about things that spook us just a little bit, like monsters, UFOs, cryptids, or that awkward run-in with your elementary school teacher at the grocery store. My name is Colleen. My name is Everett. Thank God we moved out of our hometown <laughs> yeah, so we don't have to I know, deal with that. You, do you remember like the awkward feeling of like running into a teacher outside of school and then coming to the swift realization that they're human beings and, and they don't live at school? No, I have the perfect short story for that. So our high school history teacher, after graduating high school, I went to college in the same town, so I was still around. And I ran into him at the grocery store. I don't know if he just didn't recognize me or if he was like playing a prank or something. But like he walks past me, shuffles past me and just mutters under his breath where the little Debs at. <laughs> you got to get your little Debs, man. <laughs> little Debbies are the best. So I guess it was an awkward run in because he didn't acknowledge my existence. But he just really wanted those whatever cakes, zebra cakes or. Oh. Gross. Whatever those are. The thing are. is, I always, teachers have, they go through hundreds of students throughout their careers. It's true. So, like, why would they remember you? But to you, they were like a huge influence over four years of your life. I did learn a lot. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Blank. I'm not going to say your name. I will say that man, one of the greatest teachers ever to exist. Well, guess what? What? You know what we're talking about today? No. What are we talking about? Everett, this is Everett's topics are always a surprise to me. <laughs> it's this is the month of April, mm -hmm. which is six months until Halloween. Ooh, spooky! Ah, well, and nothing gets me in the mood for Halloween more than some creepy pastas. Oh man! Today I have catered a list of some of my favorite creepy pastas as well as a special surprise at the end of the episode. Mm. Um, we're going to take turns reading creepypastas because I don't want to read this entire episode. So I've given some of the shorter ones to Colleen. And oh. why don't you start reading? I'm sending you a link right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so apologies. I've never seen this before. So if I stumble over my words, that's Everett's fault. This is called, I hate it when my brother Charlie has to go away. I hate it when my brother Charlie has to go away. My parents constantly try to explain to me how sick he is, that I'm lucky for having a brain where all the chemicals flow properly to their destinations like undammed rivers. When I complain about how bored I am without a little brother to play with, they try to make me feel bad by pointing out that his boredom likely far surpasses mine, considering his confined to a dark room in an institution. I always beg for them to give him one last chance. Of course, they did at first. Charlie has been back home several times, each shorter in duration than the last. Every time, without fail, it all starts again. The neighborhood cats with gouged out eyes showing up in his toy chest. My dad's razors found dropped on the baby slide in the park across the street. Mom's vitamins replaced by bits of dishwasher tablets. My parents are hesitant now, using last chances sparingly. They say his disorder makes him charming, makes it easy for him to fake normalcy, and to trick the doctors who care for him into thinking he's ready for rehabilitation that I will just have to put up with my boredom if it means staying safe from him. 
I hate it when Charlie has to go away. It makes me have to pretend to be good until he's back. <gasps> Twist. Spooky. Twist. You like that one? Yeah, I on I got about halfway through and I was like, "There's Charlie's dead or something," but no. <laughs> Charlie's dead. Charlie bit my finger. <laughs> Charlie <laughs> bit me. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to just start with a really short one, so I thought that's a good a good mood setter. I think. I am going to read one now called Pale Luna. Can you guess what this one's about? The, the moon? Let's find out. Okay. <laughs> In the last decade and a half, it's been infinitely easier to obtain exactly what you're looking for by way of a couple of keystrokes. The internet has made it all too simple to use a computer to change reality. An abundance of information is merely a search engine away to the point where it's hard to imagine life as any different. Yet, a generation ago, when the words streaming and torrent were meaningless save for conversations about water, people met face-to-face -to, -face to conduct software swap parties, trading games and applications on Sharpie-labeled five-and-a-quarter-inch floppies. Floppy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> of course, most of the time, the meets were a way for frugal, community-minded individuals to trade popular games like King's Quest and Maniac Mansion amongst themselves. However, a few early programming talents designed their own computer games to share amongst their circle of acquaintances, who in turn would pass it on until, if fun and well-designed enough, an independently developed game had its place in the collection of aficionados across the country. Think of it as an 80s equivalent of a viral video. Pale Luna, on the other hand, was never circulated outside of the San Francisco Bay Area. All known copies have been long disposed of, all computers that have ever run the game now buried under layers of filth and polyesterine. This fact is attributed to a number of rather abstruse design choices made by its programmer. Pale Luna was a text adventure in the vein of Zork and the Lurking Horror at a time when said genre was swiftly going out of fashion. Upon booting the program, the player was presented with a screen almost completely blank except for the text, You are in a dark room. Moonlight shines through the window. There is gold in the corner, along with a shovel and a rope. There is a door to the east. Command? So began the game that one writer for a long out-of-print fanzine described as enigmatic, nonsensical, and completely unplayable, as the only commands that the game would accept were pick up gold, pick up shovel, pick up rope, open door, and go east. The player was soon presented with the following. Reap your reward. Pale Luna smiles at you. You are in a forest. There are paths to the north, west, and east. Command? What quickly infuriated the few who've played this game was the confusing and buggy nature of the second screen onward. Only one of the directional decisions would be the correct one. For example, on this occasion, a command to go in the direction other than north would lead to the system freezing, requiring the operator to hard reboot the entire computer. Further, any subsequent screens seem to merely repeat the above text with the difference being only the directions available. Worse still, the standard text adventure's commands appeared to be useless. The only accepted non-movement-related prompts were use gold, which caused the game to display the message not here, use shovel, which brought up not now, and use rope, which prompted the text you've already used this. Most who've played the game 
progressed a couple of screens into it before becoming fed up by having to constantly reboot and tossing the disk in disgust, writing off the experience as a shoddily programmed farce. However, there is one thing that the world of computers that remains true. No matter the era, some people who use them have way too much time on their hands. A young man by the name of Michael Nevins decided to see if there was more to Pale Luna than met the eye. Five hours and 33 screens worth of trial and error and unplugging computer cards, he finally managed to make the game display different text. The text in this new area read, Pale Luna smiles wide. There are no paths. Pale Luna smiles wide. The ground is soft. Pale Luna smiles wide. Here. Command? It was another hour still before Nevins stumbled upon the proper combination of phrases to make the game progress any further. Dig hole, drop gold, then fill hole. This caused the screen to display congratulations. 40.24248, 121.4434, upon which the game ceased to accept commands, requiring the user to reboot one last time. After some deliberation, Nevins came to the conclusion that the numbers referred to lines of latitude and longitude. The coordinates led to a point in the sprawling forest that dominated nearby Lassen Volcanic Park. As he possessed much more free time than sense, Nevins vowed to see Pale Luna through to its ending. The next day, armed with a map, a compass, and a shovel, he navigated the park's trails, noting with amusement how each turn he made corresponded roughly to those that he took in-game. Though he initially regretted bringing the cumbersome digging tool on a mere hunch, the path similarity all but confirmed his suspicions that the journey would end with him face-to-face -face with an eccentric, buried treasure. Out of breath, after a tricky struggle to the coordinates, he was pleasantly surprised by a literal stumble upon a patch of uneven dirt. Shoveling as excitedly as he was, it was, or it would be an understatement to say that he was taken aback when his heavy strokes unearthed the badly decomposing head of a blonde-haired little girl. Nevins promptly reported the situation to authorities. The girl was identified as Karen Paulson, 11, reported as missing to the San Diego Department, San Diego Police Department, a year and a half prior. Efforts were made to track down the programmer of Pale Luna, but the nearly anonymous legal gray area in which the software swapping community operated inescapably led to dead ends. Collectors have been known to offer rewards of up to six figures for an authentic copy of the game, and the rest of Karen's body was never found. Interesting. I mean, I... Uh, I don't know. I, you, it, was, it wasn't creepy. It was more of a news story. I mean, it's it's a creepypasta because it's not real. I but. mean, right. Interesting. <laughs> I don't know. I like that one just because it's so different with like those old text adventure games. I was getting like a Polybius vibe from it at the beginning. Just because it's about a video game? Yeah. <laughs> but like one that nobody remembers. I don't know. I don't know. I enjoyed it. But <laughs> the one that I want you to read next, I want to preface by saying I found this upcoming story by listening to the No Sleep podcast, which reads creepypastas submitted on the, uh, I think it's the No Sleep subreddit, I believe. Yeah, I think so. But this story, like, actually messed with my head a little bit. So, go for it. Again, I've never read this story. So, <laughs> so okay. This is called The Strangest Security Tape I've Ever Seen. 
I work at a gas station in rural Pennsylvania. It's a boring job, but it's pretty easy and it pays all right. A few weeks ago, this new guy started. I'll call him Jeremy. Jeremy is weird. He's about 25 or 26, and he hardly speaks, but he's got the creepiest laugh I've ever heard. My boss and I have both noticed this, but it's never been a problem, so there's not much we can do about it. Customers have never complained about him, and he's always done his job fairly well. Up until a few weeks ago, anyway. That's when things started going missing. Employee theft can be a problem at any business that sells consumer goods, and there's only one person working at a time at this gas station. It's a pretty small place. About two weeks ago, my boss started noticing that we were short on motor oil. At first, it was a few containers at a time. Then, entire shelves and boxes from the back room. Pretty soon, entire shipments would be gone the day after we got them, and it would always be right after Jeremy's shifts. My boss has checked the security camera tapes from every single night he worked, but he could never catch him in the act. Jeremy would lock up at closing, then the motor oil would be gone the next day. My boss usually takes the tapes home with him to try and catch Jeremy stealing, but his daughter had a softball game last night, so he asked me to watch the tape for him. He offered to pay me overtime under the table, so obviously I took that offer. There are three cameras, so he gave me three different tapes to check. I figured it would be a long night, but I'm trying to save up for vacation, so I really needed the money. I took the tapes home, popped them in an old VCR, and sat back. Two days ago, the last time he worked, Jeremy started at 4 p.m. Everything seemed pretty normal at first. He counted up his drawer, switched off with the girl who was working before him, and waited for a customer. The first person who came in was Mrs. Templeton. The timestamp on the video read 4.03. She picked up her cigarettes and a newspaper and paid with a 20. Nothing unusual there. The next customer was some local guy named Ron. He drives a motorcycle, usually comes in every few days. He filled up his tank, got a bag of beef jerky, paid with his credit card, and then left. Next was some guy with a cowboy hat. I'd never seen him before, but we get plenty of strangers passing through, just like at any gas station. He got $40 worth of diesel fuel, paid with a $100 bill, and went on his way. I sat back and sighed. The only thing more boring than doing this job is watching someone else do it. My boss's offer was enough to keep me watching, though, so I left the tape on. Everything seemed pretty normal. I had a feeling that if Jeremy was stealing motor oil, he knew we were suspicious of him by now. I didn't expect him to be dumb enough to let us catch him on camera. Things stayed boring and routine until about 5 o'clock. At 5.03, Mrs. Templeton came back in. She must have forgotten something, but she didn't. She bought the same pack of cigarettes as before and the same newspaper. She paid with another 20. That's odd, I thought, but then again, she's a little absent-minded. I thought Jeremy should have told her she already got the smokes, but it's not against the rules to sell somebody the same thing twice. That's when Ron came in again. He bought another tank of gas for his motorcycle again. I later checked the outdoor camera because I thought maybe he had another car he wanted to fill up. And he bought the same pack of beef jerky. He paid with his credit card again. No big deal. I figured this was just a weird coincidence. 
Mrs. Templeton is forgetful, and Ron probably owns more than one Harley. That's when the guy in the cowboy hat came back in. I felt a chill run down my spine. Don't get Diesel. Don't get Diesel. I found myself whispering to my empty living room, but he did. He got $40 worth of diesel fuel and paid with another $100 bill. Every move he made was identical to his first visit, right down to the way he scratched his nose before he walked out. Either this guy's rich, owns a lot of trucks, and just moved into town, or something really bizarre was happening. So I kept watching. Every customer for the next hour was the same as before. Every single one. I was seriously freaked out, and then at 6.03, Mrs. Templeton walked back in. She bought her cigarettes and newspaper again and paid with a 20 again. I only watched another half hour before I started fast-forwarding through the rest. It was all the same. Every customer would come in at the exact same times, exactly one hour apart. Now, I know what you're thinking. That sneaky motherfucker, Jeremy, had messed with the tapes. He had run a loop of his first hour of business over and over. Well, that wasn't the case. There are windows around the cash register area that the camera covers, and I watched the sunlight fade as time ran on. Jeremy's routine didn't loop over. He swept, mopped, restocked, and did all his duties exactly how you would expect, but the same customers just kept coming in. I was panicking at this point. Something was seriously wrong with what I was seeing, and I had no explanation for it. I skipped ahead to when he locked up and walked out to his car. He hadn't stolen anything, but I kept watching, just to make sure. I fast-forwarded one last time to about midnight. At exactly 12.03, out of nowhere, Jeremy's face pops up on camera. I don't mean he moved his head into view. I mean that one second the store was empty, the next second his face was all I could see. He wasn't looking at the camera. He was looking at me. I was sure of it. I screamed and fumbled for the remote. By the time I grabbed it, he was gone, just as soon as he had left. One frame he was there, the next he wasn't. My hands were shaking like crazy, but I popped in another tape. The other indoor camera shows the back area by the cash register, and I would be able to see how he got up to put his face in the camera like that. I skipped ahead to 12.03, but there was nothing. I would have been able to see him standing on a chair or something on this tape, but he wasn't there. I didn't see him enter the store at all after he left. It's like he wasn't really there. He doesn't know the security code, and no alarms were triggered that night after he locked up. What I did see, however, was that at 12.03, the motor oil vanished off the shelf. All of it. Same as Jeremy's face. One second it was there, and the next it wasn't. I turned that tape off and went to bed, but I didn't get a wink of sleep. My body's exhausted right now, but my mind is racing. That tape was undoubtedly the creepiest, most disturbing thing I've ever seen in my life. I work in a few hours. My boss asked me to bring the tapes back in and let him know what I found. But really, what the hell am I going to say? Jeremy works the night shift tonight, directly after me, and the plan is for my boss to come in just before I leave and confront him with me, as I'm supposed to be the one who caught him stealing. I have no idea what I'm going to do. I suppose I'll have to show my boss the tapes, but I don't want to watch them with him. I never want to see something like that again. I can't get the image of Jeremy just smiling directly into the camera out of my mind. It was the creepiest look I've ever seen on another human being's face. Anyways, I'm going to try again to get some last-minute sleep before I have to go in and deal with this.
Update. 2.49 p.m. Updating from my phone. Apologies in advance for errors. My boss just finished watching the last of the tapes. I told him what to expect, but you really can't prepare someone for something like that. He's scared shitless. I still am too, and Jeremy is due to come in at four. We've got a little over an hour to get our shit together, but neither one of us knows what to say to him. Is he just a fucked up guy who likes to steal motor oil and scare the shit out of people, or is he something else? I don't know if this is crazy, but does anyone think he could have anything to do with the time loop? My boss said he never noticed anything like that in the other tapes, but the way he popped up in this one made me think he knew I would be watching. It's like he wanted me to see what he could do, like he was showing off or something. The way he smiled into the camera was like a little kid showing you a sandcastle they just built or something. I don't know. I probably sound crazy. I'm going to talk to my boss some more. We have to calm ourselves down and figure out how to handle this. I'll update again tonight, but I have a really bad feeling about how this is going to play out. Update. 4.33 p.m. No sign of Jeremy. Tried calling him, but his phone has been disconnected. We're calling the police. Update. 5.33 p.m. No sign of Jeremy. Tried calling him, but his phone has been disconnected. We're calling the police. Update. 6.33 p.m. No sign of Jeremy. Tried calling him, but his phone has been disconnected. We're calling the police. Update. 7.33 p.m. No sign of Jeremy. Tried calling him, but his phone has been disconnected. We're calling the police. Update. 8.33 p.m. No sign of Jeremy. Tried calling him, but his phone has been disconnected. We're calling the police. Update. 10.58 p.m. Holy shit. Holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. I just got home and saw my previous updates. Things make less sense now than ever. Here's what I can tell you. I went to work. Jeremy never showed up. My boss and I decided to call the police, as you're well aware. When I picked up the phone to call, though, the sun went out. I shit you not, that's exactly what I thought happened. Apparently, I blacked out for five hours because when I looked at the clock, it was 9.33. I think I got stuck in Jeremy's time loop, and then I snapped out of it at the exact point I blacked out, if that makes sense. But that's when things got really weird. My boss was right next to me when I blacked out, ready to corroborate my story to the cops. When I came to, the phone was in my hand, but it was dead. Not even a dial tone. My boss was still right there, but he wasn't moving. He was standing, but frozen. I looked at the clock again, and it wasn't moving. The second hand was stuck on the 12. It was 9.33 exactly. The clock on the register wasn't moving either. My phone was frozen. There was even a customer at the register waiting for my boss to get him cigarettes. I'm betting that would have been his fifth pack of the day. I got the fuck out of there. Didn't lock up, didn't turn the lights out, and sorry guys, I did not grab the security tapes to upload on the internet. Believe me, that was the last thing on my mind. The gas station is on a major highway and cars were parked all along it, except they weren't parked, they were frozen. The people inside were sitting still as wax statues. I got in my car and prayed that it would start. Thankfully, it did. About halfway home, time started up again. The static from the radio turned into music like it's supposed to be, and from what I could tell by listening to the host talk in between songs, no one noticed the time freeze or whatever it was. I was the only one. Well, I'm sure Jeremy noticed as well. I still have no clue where he is or what he's doing. I'm hiding in my room and calling the police again in the morning. I don't know if I ever got through to them before or if I did, whether they took me seriously or not. 
I'm scared for my life at this point. I'll update tomorrow if I can. Final update, 10.33 a.m. I finally fell asleep last night around 4. I have no idea how I did it. I guess exhaustion finally got the best of me. This morning, I woke up to my phone ringing. It was my boss. He'd been calling me since about 6. He woke up when time turned back on last night and immediately called the cops. They came by to see what was wrong, and he told them everything. The police around here are all small-time guys. They were more concerned with the missing motor oil than anything, but my boss figured he would take it as long as he had their attention. They decided to go looking for Jeremy. We keep all our employees' applications on file, and since Jeremy just started working here, his was easy to find. They checked the address on it and headed over to his house, and you're not going to believe what they found. The address Jeremy listed on his application was an empty lot, or at least it is now. There used to be a house there, but it burned down in 1993. Being a small town, almost everyone remembers that fire. A family of four used to live there way back when. Rumor has it that they had an estranged son who they never really talked about, but I can't say for sure if that's true. What I can say is true is that after an insurance investigation, the fire was ruled an arson. The entire house was soaked in oil and torched with a Molotov cocktail. The entire family was sleeping when it happened. None of them survived. They never caught the guy who did it. Rumor has it that when they tried to contact the estranged son, no one could find him. Anyway, my boss called and told me this, and I freaked out. Then he asked me to come to the gas station. What, are you crazy? I said, but he assured me that the cops were there with him. Then he dropped a bomb. The FBI were also in town, and they were going to talk to me one way or another, so I might as well come in. It was about 7.15, and I wanted to get back to bed, but I figured I wouldn't be able to sleep much more anyway, so I went down there. Four men in suits greeted me and told me to have a seat. We went over everything two or three times until they got all the details down. I told them about Jeremy, the security tape, last night at work, everything. Finally, after I finished, one of the agents said, oh Christ, we've got another one on our hands. Then they made me sign a bunch of papers saying I wouldn't tell anyone about what happened, so I can't say much more. I might be breaking the law just by posting this. So now I'm home. I'm not sure what to do with myself. The agent's words when I told him the story are going to haunt me for the rest of my life. Anyway, I've got to go. I've got some errands to run today, and then I have to go to work to pick up some tapes. My boss and I think this new guy, Jeremy, he's a complete creep, is stealing motor oil, and I have to watch the security footage to see if I can catch him doing it. I have better things to do, but my boss is paying me overtime under the table, and I'm trying to save up for vacation so I could really use the money. It should be pretty simple. The oil always goes missing right after his shifts. I figure I'll just watch the tapes, catch him in the act, and that will be that. The end. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Spooky. I, I just like that story a lot because it reminds me of, uh, I don't know if you've seen this, the Stephen King movie adaptation, uh, The Langoliers. It's like a I have not seen it, but my mom loves that. Well, was it like a miniseries? I think it was a miniseries, but like you can combine it into a movie and it's like a really long movie. Sure. Um, I seem to remember, my mom went through a Stephen King thing. She's told me about that one and The Stand. And those were like the two I remember her yeah. being into. And the language is like a time, like frozen type story. And there's like weird 
supernatural things at play. So I don't know. I just liked it because of that. Yeah, I I did actually really enjoy that. I just um, I feel like the end was a little bit of a cop out with like, oh, I had to sign papers. Oh, Christ, we got another oh, one. Oh, shit, got another one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have another story here. Um, this one is text based or like a chat based with two people chatting with each other. So I would like both of us to read it together. Okay. Um, there is, let me pull it up here. The, the story is called Annie 96's Typing. There are two characters, Annie 96 and McDavy. So I would like you to play Annie 96 and I will be McDavy. McDavy? Mm-hmm. Are they going to be talking in a way that like real humans talk or am yes. I going to sound like an idiot? No, this is like, I mean, maybe a teenager, but yeah. Okay. <clears throat> you asleep? You up? <laughs> no, guess you're not either. Tongue out face. <laughs> I won't do that every time, but there are some emojis in this story. Can't sleep. It's the wind. Sounds like cats fighting. What's your excuse? Tongue out emoji. <laughs> Studying. So that's what they call porn now, eh? Annie, what the fuck? Not denying it. I still can't believe what Johnny did today. Me either. That boy has issues. What the fuck? The wind's so loud. That doesn't seem normal. Lol. No wind over here. Just rain. Lucky you. I need my beauty sleep. Tongue out face. Damn right you do. Smile. What? You mean I look... Shit, I think I heard footsteps on the gravel outside. Get your crazy dad to check it out. I'm home alone. The fam are on holiday. Remember, I told you this. Really? Tell when. We should hang out. They really sound like footsteps, but there's something odd about them. I should look out the window, but my bed is so warm. Sure, you want to look out the window when you're alone? What if there's someone really out in the garden looking up at you? Not funny, David. Wow, wow, wow. Chill. I'm sure it's nothing. Gonna check. BRB. Or as I read it in my head. Burb. <laughs> if there's something strange in your neighborhood, who are you gonna call? David, there's someone in the garden. What, really? Yes, I can see a man's back. What's he doing? He's looking for something on his hands and knees in the bushes. Huh, he must be high, probably looking for his drugs. David, this is serious. What should I do? Nothing. He'll probably go away by himself. Oh my god, now he's digging with his bare hands. He's ruining the garden! Damn, I'd be pissed. Shit, he's turning around. What does he look like? David, what the fuck? This isn't funny. What? How are you doing that? What are you talking about? I can see you in my garden. How are you writing here without touching your phone? Look up, I'm by the window. Can't you hear me banging on it? Fuck, Annie, now you're scaring me too. I'm definitely not in your garden. That's not me. Stop playing around. I can see your face and you're wearing that stupid football jacket you're so proud of. It must be someone who looks like me. Honestly, Annie, I'm at home. I wouldn't play around like that. It has to be a friend of yours then, David, playing a sick prank. How else would he be wearing your jacket? There are loads of jackets like that. My friends don't look anything like me. You just have me on your mind. Smile. He's digging again. Fucking leave already. Annie, do you, do you have a gun in your house? Don't be stupid, David. I couldn't shoot anyone. You don't have to use it. Just show that you're carrying. Doesn't that jacket have your name on the back? 
Yeah, the team all got one with their name on. I can see your fucking name. What? What the hell is this, David? Annie, that jacket's in my closet. Fuck, he's seen me. Why is he smiling like that? He's coming! Call the cops. Annie? Annie, pick up. I've called the cops. Told them there's a break-in attempt at your place. They said they're on their way, but it'll take about half an hour. Annie, are you there? It's in the house. Can't talk. I have to be quiet. Lights off. I'm in a closet with a knife. Hard to type. Shaking too much. Fuck, fuck. Hang in there, Annie. The police are going to be there in about 20 minutes. Do you know where he is? It, not he. The look it had when it saw me, David. No person could look like that. Jesus Christ, does it know where you are? No, I grabbed the knife when I saw it running toward the house, and I got in the closet when I heard it breaking in. Okay, good. You'll be fine. A druggie doesn't have the brains to find someone hiding in the closet. The police will be there soon. Oh God, it's calling out to me. It doesn't sound like you, David. Its voice is so deep. Filling the house. Filling my head. What is it saying? Come out, Annie. I just want to look at you. It keeps repeating that over and over. Have I gone mad, David? Is that what this feels like? Just ten more minutes, Annie. Keep it together. You are so strong. You'll get through this. It's coming up the stairs, but so slowly. Irregular steps. Why does it look like you, David? Why you? I don't know, Annie. Please believe me. Well, can you make it stop? Please make it stop? I would if I could. I promise you. It's at the end of the hall. David, I didn't say anything to my parents when they left. I was listening to music. Is that the last time I see them? Annie. This has something to do with you, David. Only you can make it stop. Think fast. I don't know, Annie. God, please. Please. It might be because I think about you so much. I think about you all the time. So stop. I don't know how. It's scraping something on the walls. Getting closer. Please, David. I'm trying. I'm trying so hard. It's slowing down. Try harder. Whatever you're doing, it's working. It stopped. I can't hear anything. Really? Don't go out yet. Stay put until the police get there. What should I tell them if he's gone? Everything, Annie. Everything you told me. I didn't know you felt that way about me, David. I'm so glad it stopped. Can you come over in the morning, David? I really need to see you. Smiley face. Of course, Annie. I'll be there. Great. Can't wait. Annie. Annie, how do I know this is you? Annie, Annie 96, 96 went, went offline. Off <laughs> uh, yeah, whatever, man. That story's kind of fun, but. I think it. Okay, yes, it is fun. It is. I, um. It's hard to convey the text, texting part, the textity texts. Texty text. Yeah, you gotta get the mo- them emojis. Well, I have one last story. One last story, and this is a very, very special story. Oh God! <laughs> um, it's called Hot Dogs. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was a brisk evening. A slight drizzle fell from the sky, changing directions with the wind. My wife and I were playing games online with a couple of our friends. We were at the end of a game of Clue and I believed that I had figured out the culprit. I just had to wait for my turn. I knew my buddy was close too, and he went before me. I tried to show no signs of impatience, and I was blessed with a stroke of luck. He didn't submit an accusation to try and win the game. He ended his turn, and now was my chance to put my deductive skills to the test. All right, 
I think I know who did it. I heard groans over our video call. Professor Plum with the lead pipe in the dining room. I clicked the prompt on my computer to see if I was correct. Wrong answer flashed on the screen. My wife laughed and said, well, let me see if I'm right then. Lead pipe in the dining room, Colonel Mustard. She clicked and her screen flashed with confetti and the message you win flashed on the screen. Yeah, she did. I sighed. Well, guys, good game. I heard my buddy's voice over the call on the computer. I think we are calling it quits for tonight. We have to go and eat dinner. Yeah, us too, I said. See you later. They hung up, and I said to my wife, we should probably put something together to eat too. What do you want? She replied, honestly, I don't care. I would eat anything. Whatever you want, but we'll probably have to go to the store. We don't have much food in the house right now. Well, let's go before it gets too late. Damn, I really want a hot dog. It should stop raining in a bit so we could fire up the grill. That sound okay? She nodded, and we grabbed our things and got in the car. We drove to our closest grocery store, and we immediately noticed something was off. It was starting to get dark, but it wasn't very late in the day. Even so, the entire parking lot was empty. Not a single car was lit up by the lights above the vacant parking spots. I drove the car past the entrance, and it didn't look like they were closed. The lights were on, and there was no sign saying they were closed, so we parked and we walked to the door. The automatic doors opened, so now knowing that they were open, we stepped inside to get our hot dog supplies. We grabbed the dogs buns, some charcoal for the grill, and all along our shopping trip we didn't see any employees. It felt wrong to be alone in there, almost like being in a school hallway on a Saturday or in an abandoned subway station. We just needed some toppings for the dogs, so we went to the aisle with the condiments, and it was an absolute mess. Ketchup bottles were broken on the floor. Relish was scooped out of jars and spread on the shelves. Sauerkraut and pickles were dumped everywhere. My wife whispered, what happened in here? And the only thing that was left untouched were the bottles of mustard. And she laughed. Well, I guess we're going to get mustard then. You know I can't stand mustard, but we should have the ketchup and other stuff in the fridge. Let's just get out of here. So we went to the self-checkout to buy our things since there was still nobody in sight. After we made our purchases and walked out, I slipped and fell near the exit. I got covered in a sour-smelling liquid. What is this? Vinegar? What the hell is going on here? I could have broken my fucking back. Somebody really needs to clean this up. So I picked myself up and tried, tried wiping the vinegar off myself with my hands with little success. And then we drove back home. I cleaned myself off, and before I started grilling, I went into the kitchen for a glass of water. I took a big mouthful and regretted doing so immediately. Something in the water seemed like it went bad. It had a stale and salty taste to it, so I spit it into the sink. Hey, don't drink the tap water. I think there's something wrong with the pipes. Maybe we should call someone tomorrow? I heard a sigh and a muffled, I guess, from the living room. Since I couldn't drink the water, I grabbed a beer from the fridge and went outside to start the grill. Milwaukee's Best was my beer of choice, much to the chagrin of literally everyone who visited. <laughs> I, opened up the, or I opened the top of the grill to light it, and the entire cavity of the grill was covered with a yellowish-orange dust. This was the first time I used the grill after a long winter, so my first thought was that the grill was rusting out. But after closer inspection, I figured that someone had to have put this powder in the grill recently. There was a little peak of dust in the center of the, in the, center of the grill, like someone had just poured it all in moments earlier. I smelled it, and it was oddly familiar. It was a spice of some kind. I licked my finger and dabbed the top of the dust peak. 
Cautiously, I tried tasting the powder. Turmeric. Was someone trying to play some elaborate prank on me? For the life of me, I could not figure out the punchline. After explaining what I found to my wife, I cleaned out the grill and started cooking our hot dogs. We found some ketchup and relish in the house, so thankfully I didn't have to eat those bad boys dry. <laughs> you, don't, you don't want a hot dog to go down dry. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> we enjoyed our meal and had a pleasant and uneventful rest of the evening. We began our nighttime routine and went to our bedroom. And then we found our entire room was covered in mustard seeds. The floor could not be seen underneath the little yellow and brown pellets. They filled all of the dresser drawers the closet, the nightstand, and even in our pillows. What's happening? My wife didn't respond. Obviously just as lost as me, she stuttered. I, I, I guess I'll get a bag or something? I mean, we need to get rid of this, right? She backed out of the room, and I heard her rummaging for a garbage bag in the kitchen. I stood there in the bedroom doorway for several moments, lost in thought. I figured that someone had to be playing a prank on us, but this was now extremely invasive. I was worried for our safety, but I was also still so confused. Mustard seeds and turmeric were left for me to find. Who left all of this? Why did they do this? And is that salty water connected? Did they sabotage our piping, too? This weirdness started at the store, and it was so creepy. Nobody was around to help us. Nobody cleaned up the vinegar that I fell in. Vinegar. Another cooking ingredient. Was someone trying to tell me something? Then I heard my wife scream from across the house, and I rushed into the kitchen. The light was turned off, but this didn't make any sense. I heard her looking in the kitchen for a garbage bag in the kitchen just a minute ago. I flipped the light switch, and to my horror, I saw a message written on the ceiling. Inferior was written in green and red. The bottles of relish and ketchup were laying empty on the floor. I crept out of the kitchen to figure out what was happening. I entered the dining room, and to my horror, I saw my wife tied to a chair. Her hands were behind her back, taped together, and a gag tied around her mouth and head. I ran to her and started to untie her, and she began violently, violently shaking her head. And smack! Someone struck me on the back of the head. And I woke up a little while later, also now tied to a chair in our dining room table. The back of my head felt wet. It must be bleeding from the attack. I could see my wife on the other side of the table, but the room was now dark. I could tell that she was breathing from the rising and falling of her figure, but she did not seem to be conscious. Sorry for the rude introduction, my friend. The voice came from a dark corner of the room. I couldn't make out who it was, but they were very, very large. The shadowy figure was probably about six and a half feet tall, and he was also very wide. I didn't want to cause you harm, but you were unwilling to accept my offerings. Why are you not thankful for my gifts, Christopher? <laughs> what? <laughs> How do you know my name? Who are you? The words came out of my mouth, but much quieter than I wanted them to be. I knew I was in no place to try and intimidate the stranger, but I could at least try and put up a fight. Who am I? Well, 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 my boy, I am the one thing that you fear the most. I am the one that has caused you the most pain and anguish throughout your life. I have been with you at the worst points in your existence, but today I come with no ill will. I want to try and make peace with you. 
and then the stranger stepped out of the shadowy corner. A giant bottle of yellow mustard stood over the table. <laughs> it had legs and arms coming from the bottle like a mascot for the Heinz company. <laughs> then it twisted the nozzle off the top of the bottle and took it off. The face of a man with gray hair looked back at me. He had a mustache that connected to the sideburns that climbed up to his hairline. And from behind his back, he pulled out a long metal pole that had blood on the end. He must have used this to knock me out. Wait a fucking minute. <laughs> the dining room with a lead pipe. You're Colonel Mustard. <laughs> a booming laugh came from his hairy face. Indeed, I am Colonel Mustard. Throughout the years, I have been the bane of your existence. But when I found out that you were trying to eat hot dogs this evening, I had to try yet again to prove to you that mustard is indeed the superior condiment. <laughs> it's so true. I eliminated all of the other options available to you at your marketplace. But I failed to realize you had the dreaded red and green concoctions already in your home. <laughs> what did you do to everyone at the store? The customers and the employees, what happened to them? The colonel looked at me a defeated look in his eyes. Casualties are inevitable on the battlefield, son. <laughs> I did what had to be done. We aren't at fucking war. This is insane. His look of sadness turned to disgust. Loss of life in any form is not something I strive for, Chris. I followed my orders. After you avoided bringing the mustard home, I left you all of the ingredients, and it was your final chance to make the right choice. And it all made sense now. The vinegar, the salt water, the turmeric, and the mustard seeds. <laughs> and now I will complete my mission. Here are your orders, Private. You will consume my mustard and you will join <laughs> <laughs> And you will join the good fight against all inferior condiments. I struggled, I yelled, I cried, but there was nothing I could do. I was tied to the dining room chair and Colonel Mustard put his nozzle back on. He, <laughs> he flipped the top off and stood on top of the table, and with a monstrous roar, gallon upon gallon of yellow mustard enveloped me. I was going to drown unless I consumed it, so that fateful <laughs> night, that fateful night against my will, I ate the mustard. And then he was gone. Of course we called the police, but they were no help. <laughs> There is no evidence left in our home. The mustard in the dining room, the ketchup and relish in the kitchen, and even the mustard seeds that littered the bedroom were all gone. My wife moved on, soon forgetting what happened that night. Maybe she thought it was just a dream, but I know the truth. You see, Colonel Mustard left me his mustard bottle suit. I keep it hidden in the basement, so she will never know when I sneak to rid the world of ketchup and relish. I really do love mustard. <laughs> Christopher, how the tables have turned. Okay, so... So obviously that story was written by me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, for, pe for listeners... For listeners who have not listened to any of our sister network podcasts, Christopher Coney of Saturday Morning Cartoon Boom is an avid mustard hater. For and, no reason. And it's obviously the superior condiment. 
I mean, I would agree. See, here's the spooky thing about that story. I love hot dogs. I thought you <laughs> Is that were spooky. Well, here's the thing. I thought you were writing the story as in like you and me. But then you said Christopher. I know. As yourself. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I got real spooked. Chris, I hope you enjoyed that story. <laughs> I imagine you're listening to this so you can put it up on YouTube. And I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to, though. The idea came to me. and I just had to. Honestly, though, if you don't know Chris or us or anything, that was out of all of the stories, the most entertaining one. Thank you. I was like on the edge of my seat the whole time. Do you like my Colonel Mustard joke? Yeah, I really, I <laughs> I did. I, I love mustard. You know, okay, you know how I take my hot dogs? Mustard and pickles. That's it. That's not, the ideal hot dog. Not bone dry, I hope. Well, first off. Hot dogs shouldn't be dry. Like, sometimes people <laughs> boil hot dogs. So, like, I I feel like the scariest thing is the thought of a dry hot dog, like a crunchy hot dog. Gotta put mustard on that. Yeah, gotta luber up. <laughs> well, that was all the stories we had for today, and I hope you enjoyed them. Um, Colleen, do you have anything to share with us today? I mean, like, <laughs> after that, like, not really. <laughs> but, um... Not much is going on in the in the world of cryptids or aliens right now. We're but, all stuck inside. Yeah. But I did find something really interesting. And okay. it's spooky adjacent. All right. Okay. Colorado. I'm familiar. Yes. Your corpse could become compost in Colorado. I this mean, is wait, from... Wait, wait, hold on. If you're buried in the ground, doesn't your body become compost anyway? So here's my first question. Like <laughs> when you're put in one of those fancy coffins and you get your body pumped full of all those like preservatives and stuff. Do you do you really like decompose into the ground? Does your coffin just kind of like keep you separate? I, I guess I don't really know how that works, but that's why I just want to be put in a pine box like. The good old days. See, you know what's weird is you probably have to get a license for that because your body juices would poison things. It would compost. Right. Okay. Back to the story. This is from the Toronto Sun. This is from uh, April 17th, 2021. If you live in the state of Colorado, your dead body could be turned into compost. According to the Denver Post, Bill SB21006 is a few votes and a signature away from approval. If approved, the bill would give people the option to turn their corpses into soil. This bill does have some caveats. If approved, the, the soil of multiple people's remains will not be combined without their consent. It also cannot be sold or used to grow food for human consumption. So what are you going to do with this soil? Am I, like, is it a potting soil? Yeah, plant flowers, I guess. Yeah, but... What if I wanted to garden? Like, what if I took your soil <laughs> and I <laughs> take my soil? <laughs> Anyways, do you want to know how a body is composted and turned into soil? I imagine you throw it in a compost bin. You cover the corpse with alfalfa, wood chips, <laughs> and straw. Perfect. So, would you choose this? I would mean, you become soil? I I would like to become soil, but all natural. Well, what if you were put in a pine box, but I threw some alfalfa in there? That's fine. 
<laughs> Hopefully, uh, rabbits don't burrow in to get at that. Well, then you'll turn into poop, which will just kind of mix with the soil. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Yeah. We all die. So put me in the ground. I don't know. I always thought about maybe turning you into like a diamond or a paperweight. No. Put me in the ground. I mean, you won't really get a say. I'll tell you that you'll get what you want, but really I get to do whatever I want. Not if you go first. I <laughs> go first. That's right. <laughs> anyway, so that was uh, that was our departure from real world spooky into creepypasta spooky. Creepypesto. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, we've talked a lot about creepypastas, or, I mean, not a lot, but we've, like, referenced them occasionally in past episodes. So I felt like we should do just a creepypasta episode. And basically, it was an excuse for me to write that story. So I'm hoping that you enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, we'll be back to our regular scheduled programming, and I've got an interesting real-world story for you. Mm -hmm. Well, if you would like to have us read one of your scary stories or personal experiences, please send it to us. You can send us a DM on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. All are at NerdslothHQ. Or you can email us at podcast at nerdsloth.com and make sure to put a little spooky in the uh, subject, line. subject line. That's the word I was looking for. Stay spooky, my friends. Yeah. Get get down with your your bad self, your spooky self. And only six months until Halloween. <sighs> Why it is it? Okay, what is it with this country and everybody wanting to skip to the next holiday? Why can't we just enjoy summer? Colleen, our podcast is called A Little Spooky. Would it bother <laughs> everyone to know that Halloween is my least favorite I holiday? I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll catch you next week. All right, bye. We love, we love you. you. Bye. bye. Presented by NerdSloth, a place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com.